You're listening to And what is poppin', everybody? You are listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 170. My name is Marvin Yuan, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days. We have the once and future, and about to get married, professional Asian American, just you. Yeah, I'm a husk of a, anyone who's ever planned a wedding, you know, props to you. I thought I was so above all the problems. <laughs> I'm a fucking idiot. I know. Um, this is what so, we do. We get paid to do this stuff. Yeah, it's different when it's your money and your family. And um, I, yeah, we're in you know twenty t minus twenty days, and I have a lot of small things left to like. I I guess you can't see my desk right now, but it is covered. It is covered in organza bags and like. No, no, I am. Yes. <laughs> it's it's a lot. I'll just say that it's a lot. <laughs> you said organza bags, and I already knew exactly what it looks like. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you know, part of this, I will admit, is a problem of my own making because I'm just like super picky. Like mm-hmm. I used to say I'm peculiar, you know, to make myself feel better. No, I'm just a picky bitch. Like, like, for instance, I'm covered in organza bags because I purchased heel savers for a guest. You know, because we're going to be married in a grassy area. Mm. But the heel savers came in came in organza bags. Mm. But I don't like the colors. Oh, my God. <laughs> they don't yeah. fit my theme. So uh-huh. I separately purchased some organza bags from Amazon. And now I have to move the bags, move the heel savers to another bag, even though they're perfectly fine bags. But they're just ugly and I don't like them. Um, I have already talked myself out of doing even something crazier, which was I was like, well, they're they're different sizes. The bag, the color of the bag corresponds to a different size of heel saver, like width. And I was like, oh, why don't I dye the bags different shades of green to indicate? I was like, no, that's fucking dumb, Jess Jude. Don't do that to yourself. So like, I'm trying. I'm trying to like, stave off my worst tendencies mm-hmm. um but yeah i this is womanhood marvin yeah i mean in the words of dj khaled um congratulations you played yourself i <laughs> truly did um and you know that these are decisions i have to live with as i die in a sea of organza bags i mean on the bright side it'll all be over in 21 days I keep saying this is gonna be fun. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. Um, as you know, in the vein of Hitchhiker's Guide, like don't panic. <laughs> it's like this will be fun. This will be fun. My friend said I should make a shirt that just says that. I was like, don't, don't give me more ideas. <laughs> also joining us, and who will be joining us? Yes, all together in Florence in twenty-one days. The most professional of culture editors, Han Win. Hey, hey, Han. How is your end of summer, early fall going? Uh, it's all right. So I went to the doctor today and she wanted to do a bunch of labs. So she's like, you got to fast. And I was mm-hmm. like, that sounds great. So, you know, I went in the morning because there's no way I'm fasting all day in order to yes. do something. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I fasted and then I gave some blood. And so I was not feeling great the whole oh, day. Like, they let you I, do that? <laughs> well, it wasn't like I was donating blood. It's just they had to take some samples for oh, the lab. Yeah. Right? Like oh, oh, yeah. yes. right. But the my problem is always like they never believe me is my veins are very small. And so sometimes they miss 
and then they create extra uh, bruises on me mm. and and they have to find like I always say left arm. And so they try. And then if they miss, they're like, let's go to the right. And they, they'll like tap it and, you know, do all the stuff. And then they realize, no, let's go back to the left. <laughs> and oh, it's just, yeah, I so feel ya. I gave a little bit more blood than usual. And then also just with the empty stomach, that kind of really was what made it. Yikes. So I was very forgetful all day. Yeah. <laughs> Having small veins is real tough. Um, I, I also get the left, right, left, mm-hmm. squeeze the ball, wait, squeeze it again. Um, the trick is you want to ask for the absolute meanest nurse. The meanest nurse is the best at drawing blood. Well, oh, man, I also have thin veins. And yes. so once they actually took it from the top of my hand. Oh, and I don't know about you, but when every time I've had to take up there, not only does it hurt, but I get super lightheaded when they do that. Yeah. I, so here's the other thing is depending on how desperate they are, they will change to a child's needle for me. Oh, but the problem with that is it takes longer to fill the vial. Mm. (laughs) So let me just tell you, when I normally give blood, it always hurts, but it also takes longer than usual for people, you know, for me to fill the bags. So, yeah, it's it's just never an easy process for me. When I talk to my friend, she's like, oh, you know how donating blood doesn't hurt. And I was like, are you kidding me? It always hurts. And even when I get blood work done, it hurts. So I was like, I don't know if I'm just like she's not sensitive you know, in her skin or what, but yeah, always hurt. Yeah. Anyway, so. Anyways. Um, I was feeling bleh all day. <laughs> I get my vaccine tomorrow, so yes, again, you know, I will probably. Oh, I do it. too, and I'm excited to knock out. Booster. Yes. Well, good thing we are talking about a very exciting Star Wars thing <laughs> this week. Or are we? Uh, we're talking about the new Star Wars original um, Disney Plus series, Ahsoka, which is streaming now. Uh, five episodes in, um, six by the time you hear this um, on Disney Plus. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is picking us through this week. Uh, Han, I see you've been taking in some theater. Um, what's popping? <laughs> yeah, this is unusual for me. Um, but my friend Angie Han, who works at The Hollywood Reporter, uh, invited me to go with her. It is a movie called This Is Not A True Story. If that sounds familiar to you, um, it's probably because this is a true story is a phrase used from Fargo. So just remember that. Um, But basically, it is a play, just a 90 minute play, no intermission. You know, that's pretty good. Uh, Written by Preston Choi. This one is directed by Rena Dutt. um, And it's going through October 15th at the Latino uh, Theater Company. So if anyone's in... uh, um, LA, you can go see it. But basically what it is, is that it takes, it's sort of a, a meta commentary, but it's still very funny. Um, but it starts off with Chocho, who is the um, Japanese lady in Madame Butterfly, the Puccini opera. So she does her um, big suicide. Sorry, spoiler alert, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, a hundred something yes. years old. I don't know if you could spoil that. <laughs> yeah, so she 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 kills herself and then um but then all of a sudden she sort of wakes up in this sort of like misty void on a platform and she's like what and then she finds herself going through the motions of her whole play again and so she's just basically on a loop you know doing her lines but also like killing herself so that's weird right and then we uh the same thing happens to kim in miss saigon which is basically a remake of uh of Madame Butterflies, if you didn't know. So she also kills herself. So we got these two Asian women in a misty void, you know, going through like really traumatic things, dealing with stupid Americans. Um, and then, 
and then killing themselves. And they're trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Why are we both here together? And then a third person enters. And this is where it gets gets. I don't want to say confusing because I think at the beginning it was confusing. Um, but this is where it gets a little bit more mysterious because this character is not quite as well known. If you saw Kumiko, the uh, treasure hunter, you might recognize her. But basically, this is uh, that was a film um, that was sort of loosely based on an urban legend surrounding a woman named Takako Konishi. Um, she searched for the uh, money that was in Fargo, <laughs> you know, seen in the movie Fargo. And uh, I think apparently she also dies anyway. But all three of these stories written by white men um, and all of the women, you know, don't meet a great end. The only difference is, of course, that. Uh, Kumiko, the treasure hunter, is also based on a real person. So that's different from the other two characters. And those things play out. But anyway, so that was all very interesting. I think the performances were great. Um, the woman who plays uh, Kim, since she is in a musical, uh, Masaigon is a musical, she gets, she sings a little bit. <laughs> and mm-hmm. she always sings very well, which is great. Um we don't get opera from the Madam Butterfly woman, but it's fine. She did a great job doing sort of a thick Italian accent. <laughs> um, at the very beginning of the play, you are encouraged to laugh at the very bad accents um, or at least the very stereotypical accents, let's say. Not bad. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just it's really incredibly funny. Um, some of the f- visual sight gags are pretty great i think it gets a little bit weird at the end but it's also like i was down for it um it's it's a tight 90 minutes and yeah i had a good time i saw this too were you uh opening uh no i was i was there sunday so opening was the 14th yeah this is the artist at play production for the year right yes Yes, it's a new work so it's something they help produce and bring to life um and yes 90 minute plays i think we should also have more of those (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah. It is very funny, even though, like, you know, when you go to the concert, they're like, yeah, they keep killing themselves. Um, yeah. But it, it is very funny. Um, and some some really good one-liners. I, I think I have my new Twitter bio from this. Like, I'm 31, I can read, and I'm not a virgin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, the, the, the dialogue is so good. The interplay between the characters is great. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think they just, it works really well because they don't necessarily downplay the fact that that these characters are killing themselves, but rather poking fun at the fact that it was, um, they were written to do so. And so, yeah, it's like, a, it yeah. sounds like a really cool, like meta commentary yeah. on like yes. American theater and how it treats or Western theater and how it treats Asian women. Right. Absolutely. Very yeah. Orient orientalist <clears throat> sort of um, yeah. lens. And I do want to call attention to the company that behind it, because ours at play, they're a long running independent theater company that specializes in putting on productions and doing readings of, like emerging Asian American playwrights, so they—they, they, I've been to a couple of their shows, and it's always been a lot of fun. Yeah, and they, you know, they talk the talk and walk the walk. Their teams are all like API artists, um, and this is in production with the Latino Theater Company, um, and it's—it's it's a really cool space too. Um, yeah, so, was it like a train station or something? I think it was a bank. Oh, that makes sense because it had the big clock and it's like marble walls and it has a great ceiling, like this. I don't know, elaborate ceiling. So I really like the space. And also it's across the street from uh, Guisados. So I had tacos afterward. Yes. 
I will say the LATC has been on kind of my blacklist for a few years because oh. I did a show there once and their team screwed me. So oh. um, maybe it's my- a new team at this yeah. point. Yeah. You know, the turnover for arts institutions, as we know, Marvin, is 18 months. So yeah, no, I, I'm I don't know if I'll be able to make this production because um, you're busy. I'm leaving for unless maybe maybe if I go this weekend. Yeah. I'll catch it. Go this weekend. Yeah. I think I'm leaving for Italy. I'm leaving Europe next week, and I'm not back until the 15th. So, um, and this is running till the 15th, right? Yes, exactly. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It, I mean, if you can see it, see it. I think it was uh, well worth my time, and also just getting downtown. I like the space. So, yeah, yeah. All right, Jess. Besides <laughs> theater. What's popping with you? Um, I know Han talked about this a little yes last <laughs> time, so I went to go check out the new Hercule Poirot movie, um, <laughs> A Haunting in Venice. Yes, this is the third in the Kenneth Branagh Hercule Poirot, you know, Agatha Christie detective adaptation. You know, I don't understand why they keep letting Kenneth Branagh do whatever he wants to do because none of these movies have necessarily been great Mm -hmm. um but they are they live in this very Mm -hmm. um interesting like middle point where it's like entertaining enough and you don't have to care or think too much and that's kind of just sometimes exactly what you need it was 90 minutes so you know didn't take up too much of my time really and his movies always have incredibly stacked casts so this one include Michelle Yeoh, who's fantastic, um, and um, Jamie Dornan, you know, the guy mm, famous yes. for Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. <laughs> like a very interesting I didn't character. recognize him at first. Yes. And and um, the, the a young actress who is famous for allegedly might have been the person that Joe Alwyn maybe cheated on with, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that's false. Yeah. She was actually very good. Yes. Um, the woman who plays the girlfriend in house of gucci which was also i was like it's like all these people who are like your face is so familiar where do i know you from um but you know this it's it's what i call like a plane movie it's a perfect plane Mm -hmm. movie yeah but but i saw this you know in theater (laughs) surprisingly packed audience like pretty full theater for friday night we were in the Mm -hmm. big theater too um and you know, it's like spooky enough. It's spooky-ish. Um, so he's obviously playing on like the, you know, haunted house thing. And it's set in Venice. And so like, and they actually shot in Venice this time yes. as opposed yes. to like a, like the shitty green screen they used for um, <laughs> the second, the Death on the Nile movie. Yeah. So like, it looks beautiful. I think the lighting is very cool. Like the ambiance is great. It's like a little spoopy. Like there's some cheap jump scares, but it's not like actually scary. Um it's it's just enough and that's how i can explain this movie so i i can't say if i can recommend this but like you know if you want something that's just enough like just entertaining enough uh just you know scary enough just spooky enough just mysterious enough yeah go check it out the one weird spot though was i was like what is tina fey doing in this movie yes she plays a very pivotal like role as an american and you just could never forget that she was tina she's tina fey yeah Yeah. i'm just like i don't think tina fey is the strongest actor so it's always like weird when she's just like a straight actor she always plays her a version of herself even like only murders although only murders it fits here it's kind of weird because she's also period 
So yes. it, she doesn't quite get the accent right. Yes, that like mid Atlantic, like yeah. fast talking thing. Um, yeah. That ro- so you know, Kenneth Branagh makes some really weird casting choices sometimes. I see in point Death on the Nile. Half that cast is like, ooh, you do not want to hate <laughs> with them now. Yeah. So, so I don't know if there's like a curse, like maybe like in the next like six months, like a bunch of shit will come out with some of these folks. No, not uh, Michelle Yeoh. Who knows? <laughs> so I wonder how many people in the pack theater were like me and thought this was a haunting movie and not a Poirot movie. Oh, yeah. Because when I saw, like, the... I didn't see any trailers or anything. When I saw the poster, I thought, oh, it's a haunting movie. Like, the haunting. No. The haunting. I mean, there is some haunting in it. It's it's also, like, really funny because, um, you know, I, I went to watch with my husband and he's just, like, the... He's simultaneously, like, very superstitious and, like, believes in, like, a lot of things and simultaneously, like, will not engage with any of it because he believes in it. Or, or just in case, as he says. So <laughs> so every time we watch one of these movies, I'm just like, you know, you should merely leave. Like, mm-hmm. are you going to go to a spoopy orphan Halloween party? No, mm-hmm. like, no, don't go. So it's, it's just always funny to kind of like see these situations that characters get in themselves in. Just like merely leave. Or like, oh, <laughs> like someone's di- like merely everyone stay together until the, you know, light comes up don't you know let's let's not have any more people die but of course it's Agatha Christie so someone's always gonna die even in a locked room and I'm just like well you know it then there was like a weird plot point with bees <laughs> so yeah it was it was very enough so you don't have to spoil this I know it's an old book um but from what I've gathered from cultural osmosis is the solutions to egg Agatha Christie mysteries are all super elaborate and sometimes kind of bullshit. So how bullshit is the final reveal in this film? You know, this one makes a little more sense than some of the other ones um, because I have seen like or read or watched movies of some of these books and like they don't often hold up to further interrogation. (laughs) Um, The most famously like the mousetrap, the one that's been, you know, yeah. running as a play. Mm-hmm. Like, if you even, like, think about it a little bit, you're like, this makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone should have known. But, you know, I think <laughs> she's writing... It, it's a different time, and, you know, it's it's a very specific formula that she uses that's, you know, very her style, and I think it works for her, and, like, you gotta give credit where credit is due. She invents a lot of these, like, mystery... Tr- like, the lock... Like, the... The detective yeah. g- gathering everyone and like ex- elaborating, giving you the big speech. Like, that's Without an Agatha Christie, Christie we don't thing. get Johnson, right? Yeah. So I really respect that. But like, yeah, I mean, it's very obvious. You kind of <laughs> have a formula. It's never the most obvious one. It's never, you know, the second most obvious one. There's always like sometimes a mystery within the mystery. And then like, my thing is always like, oh, who's the least likely person to have done this? They're probably the one. I'm like, oh, look, I'm right. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's a journey and it's fun to watch beautiful people in beautiful clothes and like a very, uh, I will say, I think the cinematography in this movie was really interesting and really cool. The lighting, especially like because, you know, it's set in like an old spooky mansion. Everything's like lit by candlelight or like wall torch. And that's just a very different aesthetic than we see. 
um, in today's most of today's movies. Like everything's very dark and and I was like, oh, this is like very vibes. And I was like, yeah, like I need to get in the mood, mind space for Italy, you know? Like, yeah, take me to Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I will, and I'm not gonna, I'm not ashamed to admit it. He's if he makes a fourth one, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I will watch it. Like I'll watch as many as he wants to make. Yeah. May, probably on the plane next time, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it would be a great plane movie. Great plane movie. Great right, movie. Like just entertaining enough. Yeah, great movie for my mom, you know? Uh, that's yes. the other thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Marvin, what about you? What's popping with you this week? Well, speaking of mysteries and spooky things, um, mm-hmm. I did my first escape room this Whoa, past weekend. Whoa, your first ever? Yeah, How is that I've possible? Been, well, I mean, my friends... Here's the thing. when As you get older, you don't hang out with your friends as much mm-hmm. as you're like, you know, you're professional and you're... You know, or maybe just me. Like, I kind of... If I have time, my weekends now are spent doing domestic shit, like going to Costco or Trader Joe's or like yes. fixing stuff around the house. Yes. Um. So, so my friends are back in town and we were getting together and we decided to do an escape room because we haven't done one together yet. And this is my first time doing it because I've always, I guess, similar to um, your husband, Jess, I've subconsciously avoided it because to me, escape rooms are like escape from the saw room. And I don't really <laughs> vibe with that. Um, That's so, fair. Yeah, I can see how you would think that. So sure. when we went, we had two choices. One is an easy room, which is the saw room. And then the hard one, which is the Russian nuclear, like prevent a nuclear apocalypse room. And oh, I was like, dear. I'll take the hard one, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one where how long? The one we have to prevent a, a one did, hour. Did you guys complete the mission? We did with thirty seconds left on the clock. We're still oh. living here. We're still yeah. alive. It was um, it was a really interesting experience because it kind of just felt like playing a real life like adventure game. Mm-hmm. You know the the Lucas Arts ones where you go and like figure out puzzles and feel really good about yourself. And we were feeling really good about ourselves because we were in the hard room and we were blazing through these puzzles. Like we solved all of them except for the last one within the first like twenty five minutes, mm. and the last one took us. Like 35, 35 minutes. minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's like the highs of feeling like really smart and the lows of like, what the hell are we supposed to do here? And um, well, I mean, I'm not too ashamed to admit that we did have to ask for a hint. Like at the last two minutes, we asked for a hint. Mm. And then we figured it out within the two minutes. It was real dumb how like we overthought it. Yeah. yeah. Some of them is my my group of friends. Some of them are like very into escape rooms. Um, So there's like a there's like conventions of escape rooms, but how you solve things that like, unless you do them a lot or you you've done one, like mm-hmm. it's, it does not come naturally, you know? So I, especially if this was your first one, I don't know if anybody else in your crew was like a fanatic. Um, but yeah, some of them are like really weird or like, like some of them are very misleading. You're like, Oh, I, can I touch this? Does this mean anything? And you're like, no, it's just a deck. It's just decoration. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for us, it was we had all the pieces for for the last solution. We just didn't know where to find like the word we had to translate. And it turned out that it was basically in the middle of solving it. We partially solved one of the crucial puzzles, but did not realize there was more to it. That's Mm. how they get you. Yeah, that's how they. Yeah. But luckily, we did. We did figure it out with literally 35 seconds left on the clock. We were like, so. Okay. Here's my question. Would you do another one? I would. Maybe not a saw room, but there's no, like no. There's, there's a heist one. Ones. There's yeah. like a 
fantasy ones that look pretty cool, like a wizard one. All right, Han, you down? Those. We're going to go to an escape room <laughs> sure. at some point. Yeah, for sure. There, there, there's, always a, there's always like a surprising amount of math involved in all these yeah. escape rooms. And I don't like that because they don't let you bring your phone in and you can't like use a calculator. So you're like, crap, I don't yeah. know what. I forgot how to multiply. Um, and and that's well, that's good always. thing you have me there because I'm good with numbers. And then some of my friends, a lot of my friends are they're like civil engineers, like architects, like we're. We're good with like our logic. I've, I've been to escape rooms where it's really messed up because unless you're a certain height, you won't see things. And you're just <laughs> like, that's rude. Like, what if I'm just a short person? That's not fair. That's bad design. That's bad game design. They should right? do do one where it's an asset to be short. Yeah. Have you, have you, was there like a second room in this one? That's always fun. When there you was. Like... It was a bathroom. We had to fish a flask out of the toilet. It was oh. Fun. How fun. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I had a really good time. I would do it again. Let's do it. Yeah, okay, let's, let's see do if one. the good popcorn can solve us solve an escape room. Yeah, let's I do think it. we could. I think we could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, on that note, that'll do it for uh what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're going to the galaxy far, far away. That's how it goes, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest Star Wars fans, guys. We'll Biggest right Star back Wars fans. <laughs> with Ahsoka. <laughs> I'm Charlene Kay. I'm a musician, songwriter, and guitarist. Growing up, I loved music. Whether it was pop, acoustic, emo, I ate it all up. But as a Chinese-American kid living in Scottsdale, Arizona, I also felt isolated, never really seeing artists who looked like me or shared my experiences. So after years of performing on stages all over the world, I wanted to create a space to highlight the amazing Asian musicians who I knew were out there, just not always getting played on the radio. That's why I started Golden Hour, a podcast where Asian singers, songwriters, instrumentalists, and music producers share their personal stories. And it's a space for you to discover your new favorite artist. Listen to Golden Hour with me, Charlene Kay, wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Co-host the podcast Asians in Baseball alongside Naomi Ko and Scott Okamoto. Asians in Baseball is exactly what it sounds like. A podcast about the Asian and Asian Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Americans in Major League Baseball. Every week we break down the highlights of what's going on with Asians in Baseball and then take a deeper dive into the Asian and Asian Americans past and present who have shaped baseball as it is today. Whether you're Kim Ang's number one fan or you've never even heard of Hideo Nomo, we've got something for everyone, especially for the Shohei Otani stands. Maybe too much for the Shohei Otani stands. Listen to Asians in Baseball wherever you get podcasts, part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. All right, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. For this week, we are discussing the new Disney Plus Star Wars original series, Ahsoka, which follows Ahsoka Tano, the former apprentice of Anakin Skywalker, um, turned rebel leader, um, turned, I guess, 
Jedi treasure hunter as she tries to prevent the return of her nemesis, um, Grand Admiral Thrawn, um, as well as find out what happens to her Rebels colleague, Ezra Bridger. Um, the show stars Rosario Dawson reprising her role as Ahsoka Tano from The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, and then introducing the cast of the Rebels animated series in live action form, including Natasha Lou Bordizo as Sabine Wren, um, the artsy hip cool uh, Mandalorian bounty hunter um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera Syndulla um, the pilot of the ghost um, Dave Filoni himself as Chopper um, their cantankerous astromech droid um, so to start off it's been a while since you did a Star Wars so what do we all think of Ahsoka first of all surprisingly surprisingly very Asian which is like yeah. great love that um, you know with Natasha Liu as Sabine who was also voiced by an Asian American um, mm-hmm. Don't know if she's American. Was um, voiced by Tia yeah. Sarkar in the in the series, so mm-hmm. that's canonical. And then you know the the weirdly Chinese name coded robot voiced by David Tennant in this. We'll take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ahsoka is a name of a very famous Indian <laughs> ruler. So I'm like, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, this is actually my first Star Wars in a while, and. I will just say I remember why I do not engage in Star Wars that much anymore. <laughs> it was, um, I mean, there's a lot to say about this, um, this series. Han, I know you, did you cover Rebels or you're familiar with Rebels, right? Well, here's the weird thing. I did not watch Rebels, but at the very end, I decided, oh, I'm going to attend the finale screening and, and Q&A and report on it. <laughs> And not having watched any Rebels before that, like maybe I watched one episode. So I was like, okay, I know some of the characters. But so I was super confused, but it did introduce me to a hell of a lot, including like the space whales. So there were a lot of things that were familiar to me. I definitely knew the whole thing about Sabine Wren um, and Ezra and the rest. So at least I had a, a kernel of a memory of that. Like I did watch a couple other episodes of Filoni's other stuff but rebels seemed like the most interesting to me even though i barely watched it so um yeah so i don't i don't know necessarily if you need to know these characters for uh from rebels in order to enjoy this um that said there's a hell of a lot of characters (laughs) yeah Uh, i mean yeah it's definitely like a more focused show than obi-wan was i feel like obi-wan didn't know what it was trying to do Mm -hmm. i mean at least this one um Again, focus not as tight, but tighter, I guess, as um, um, than like, you know, Obi-Wan or Mandalorian season three. But I don't know, personally, just as a Star Wars fan, I couldn't help but just feel overwhelmed by because this is the first like Filoni led like live mm-hmm. action series, mm-hmm. right? He's been the guy, he's been like, it's, like producing a lot, but the Mandalorian is, is John Favreau's, Obi-Wan mm-hmm. is Deborah, Deborah Chow's. Um, this is his first, like, at the helm. And, like, after seeing what Tony Gilroy did with Andor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like, I spent the entire time watching this kind of wishing that he made different choices with what he had to do. Because, like, Filoni, he cut his teeth doing the Clone Wars anime series and Rebels. And those shows are kind of similar. Like, some of those episodes are really great, have really great ideas. And some of them were kind of just mid Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel like Ahsoka feels the same. It's like there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. I just wish they did the more interesting thing instead of like the more like safe thing. And I don't know how much of that is Filoni and how much of that is Lucas just being like 
afraid of its fans, right? I just don't understand how all the parts can be there, but it's so, for lack of a better word, it's boring, which I find is a bigger sin sometimes than being bad or being weird. Like, to be uninteresting when you have a great cast, I think, I think you know, we know these actors are all, like, pretty solid. When you have, like, interesting characters, because I, um, I, I didn't watch Rebels or Clone Wars, but I am you know, well-versed enough into Star Wars, you know, universe fandom to understand that a lot of these characters mean a lot to a lot of people and have very interesting backstories and very interesting relationships. And I don't know why Filoni, both as writer, director, and producer of the show, decides to drop us at a point and tries to tell us that, like, these things matter, but doesn't really show that they matter. Like, I get through some of the dialogue that like they have a history, but my question is like, you know, from what I know about these characters, they all seem like really interesting, badass women who, you know, fought in the war and have like their own like backstory. Why do none of them have personality in this show? Written yeah. by a man. That's why. <laughs> right. Right. And, and I mean, like, I mean, like Filoni has written, he's animated, but I guess this is his first live action thing. Um, and I'm just like, I'm like, but you were like, you know, it's a character is a character. You, you invented and wrote these characters before, like let them speak like the characters. Um, and, and I, you know, you can, I was just trying to think, I was also wondering, and I don't know if you know this, either of you, but like how far away are we from like clone wars or rebel? Like how different are these characters? Like, are they just like all like, you know, cynical and like jaded now? Are they... Well, in terms of the timeline, um, no, Rebels takes place right after Clone Wars, because Clone Wars takes us all the way to Order 66 and the fall of the Republic. And Rebels ends at the um, after the Battle of Endor. Um, and so I think this show takes place six years after that. Okay. So they're like six years removed from the war. And it's interesting because like Filoni created Ahsoka to be like the point of view character for the Clone War. And, you know, she's introduced as Anakin's Padawan and goes through a lot of shit during those seasons. Um, like, her character is really interesting. There's a lot of really interesting things he could have done with her because she is someone who's been, like, a child soldier her entire life. I mean, and I mean, I get it, but, like, even if you are, like, PTSD'd or, like, you know, Trump, like, that doesn't change your personality that, like, the, like... <laughs> all of it right like and i just don't understand why like the other i mean i get why because men are allowed to be a lot of things um but like you know the other jedi masters like obi-wan and even anakin like they're very powerful they're like you know they're interesting they're tragic but they also get to be like shmarmy and a little funny and a little sassy um and a little stupid sometimes and i'm just like these women in the way they interact, you cannot tell the difference between the three women. Like if you like just like didn't look at the screen and you're just like, oh, like three robots are talking to each other. Well, they kind of do have the same affectations, right? They're kind they do of all, have. Yeah. Like, so to me, that sounds like direction. Like that's direction and writing. And and I'm like, Filoni, you 
you're letting trucks drive through these pauses. Like that first episode was pretty <laughs> rough for me to get through. Yeah, which again is interesting because, yeah. which is again, it's interesting because in Clone Wars and Rebels, like these characters have like are quipping all the time. They're like, like Ahsoka's nickname is Snips because she's very snippy with everything. Yeah, so that's actually what I was going to say is they did change her character for this. So now she's become the sort of cryptic jedi master and so she speaks in these sort of like horrible phrases and um is sort of remote um and it just doesn't feel like the ahsoka i've seen before so i i feel in a way um because there's a this all feels very familiar that he's kind of echoing the sort of patterns we've seen before where the the master and the apprentice you know, are kind of at odds and um, and the, the apprentice is like kind of uh, sassy. Um, then we also do see, you know, the master and and their master, you know, go at it. And it just so it feels like he's dipping from that well of things that we know, but not quite translating it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who like, I've been following Clone Wars through a podcast called A More Civilized Age, where they kind of take a more like critical look at Clone Wars episodes. And, you know, the ones that are good, they talk a lot about like the nuances in it. And the ones that are bad, they kind of just, you know, like, talk about why it's yeah. bad. Um, but like Ahsoka's character arc in at least Clone Wars, the, the anime series, ends with her leaving the Jedi Order because mm-hmm. she does not, like, want to follow their dogma. She feels like it's all, like, hypocritical and it's not the right path for her. Um, and to see her revert into, like, the more cryptic, like, Obi-Wan-style, like... No, but even like, Obi-Wan master, was, like... like Obi-Wan was fucking sassy to Anakin. <laughs> like, he was getting to shenanigans, you know, even when I'm he was old, a master. old Obi-Wan. Oh, um, old Obi Wan. I'm just like, does something happen when you're just like, oh, time to not have fun anymore? Um, and I think that's generally in my overall note for the Star Wars series, especially because I've been revisiting the original trilogy um, a lot recently. The original trilogy was just so silly, like in the best yeah. way possible. So fun, so silly, and and all these series just take themselves so seriously, like in the and- tone, in the. It, like everything, like like the aesthetics, and I'm just like, where, where's where's the like, you know, like <laughs> like Darth Vader was like reading bitches left and right, like he was very sarcastic, right? Dad jokes for days, you know, like when he's like interacting with the you know the low underlings in the Empire, he's like, you better have the you know, you gotta have the stars. I'm, <laughs> he's not as nice as me, you know, like and, where's where's that that and like, the thing is, silliness. I feel like, and the thing is, I feel like I can like kind of. I feel like I could forgive them portraying her as like someone who has a lot of regrets mm-hmm. if I saw more of that, mm-hmm. like her dealing with those regrets instead of just her being very like one word answer, yeah, like smirks and like cryptic. Yeah, that I think that's a good good word. It's like she's just being like a like one of those cryptic old sage characters when she should be like her character is supposed to be the anti that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's 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 a shame because I was thinking like wait is she CG because I was like where's the life in this character and <laughs> yeah I, and that's Rosario Dawson like how do you get someone who is as talented and interesting as her and kind of make her less interesting even while you're putting this headdress on and, her? and expressive right like, right exp- like she has such a beautiful like big face like mm-hmm. like her face can emote she's big beautiful eyes 
she's a great mover. Mm-hmm. Like she can dance. She's done action before. And even like her action scenes are like kind of, she seems like nerfed by something. You know, we were talking a little bit, we, whether it's the, the head headpiece or she's like contraptioned up something like even I the fight scenes of- are just kind of okay. I think part of it is because this is like, it's not an adaptation of the animated series. Mm-hmm. It's like a sequel to the yeah. animated series. This is essentially Rebels, like season four. But, um, but still. Is they're, they're kind of stuck or maybe Filoni's is very precious about making sure that the characters move like they did in the mm. animated series. Because a lot of her moves were stuff that she did when she was a CG character, like um, the way that she like does that ballerina, like mm-hmm. stretch move. Right. I feel like Filoni is for better or worse. He loves star Wars. Like he is like, he's a true fanboy. Like, maybe too canonical. Fanboy. Like yeah. maybe too, too devoted to the OG text, too respectful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you see that in a lot of like, like he can't, just can't help himself. So I feel like it's a direction thing though. Cause like, I feel like little Ahsoka was mm-hmm. great yes and her scenes and her fighting was really good she had personality she i she felt like a, a character you know like doing yeah. doing interesting things i don't know yeah uh, frustrating well, before I, i'm sure we'll, we'll have more to, to to critique but i do want to spend a little time talking about what we did like about the series because mm-hmm. there were some highlights um chief of which i know jess you're you're oh on God. record oh as oh a hayden christensen <laughs> Like fangirl, like you defend the prequel, Anakin. Yes, yes, and let me tell you, <laughs> even the stills got me all a flutter. You were feasting. Um, they do use de aging technology to make him look the appropriate age. Um, I think because he doesn't look too different, it's it's not distracting. They probably just smoothed out some wrinkles. He looks so good. <laughs> like, so good. Like, the black outfit. Like, Chanel boots on fire, slay the house down. The hair looks fantastic. I think the hair looks better now than it did in, like, episode three. And it was... I thought, you know, for all my shit, I just talked about Filoni. Like, he did direct and write that episode. And I thought the scenes with Ahsoka and Anakin were some of the strongest that we've seen thus far. Because even though I didn't know the full backstory or exactly what they went through, like you could sense the emotion behind the fight. And like you could sense the tension behind the fight. And like he brings character, like, right? He's like smirking. He's like, mm, I told you. And honestly, I'm not going to lie, too. Now, at this stage in my life, when I see um, Anakin Skywalker be a little daddy figure <laughs> to young Ahsoka, I'm like, I am. Oh, I am. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, uh, and he he really knows how to handle a lightsaber, if you know what I mean. But literally, he does actually. I feel like his fighting, mm-hmm. like the way he moves with a lightsaber, I'm like, he's really good. Like you, you could see like yeah. the force. Like it seems so real when he does it. And well, then think- he also does a really good job. Like you know, at first he's dueling with her, but later when he like becomes dark sided, like that's Vader fighting right with like his power moves. Yeah, I, I thought again. I think and I think that one is like very clearly shot like the lights the light is really interesting because you know it's a lightsaber battle you need to see the lights that is part of the that's part of the star wars of it all and you know the reason why we have green lightsabers fun fact (laughs) yeah because you can't see blue against the blue sky um i did enjoy that little sequence and i feel like even rosario dawson's ahsoka came more alive in those sequences than we'd seen 
up until that point. Yeah, I really enjoyed that sequence too. I did wish, again, I think this is just me um, wanting more from Filoni. I wish they went like the extra step because like that confrontation is something that fans have been wanting for a long time because like Ahsoka in character, her biggest regret is when she left the Order, she left Anakin alone. And like the thought is like if she had been there during episode three, he might not have turned. Yeah. And, you know, they, they hint at that about, you know, they talk a lot about legacy and fall. And like those are interesting to me, especially as she now is essentially yeah. she's Anakin. And that's kind of the we've seen this version of the story. That's also part of the Star War. Like <laughs> we've seen the passing down and fantasy genre in general the yeah. passing down and the the change of phase from you know paddle apprentice to master to teacher i guess like, for me it's i wish that if this was a scene of her like kind of confronting her regret like that's what's keeping her from becoming like a better jedi like i wish and this goes back to like the acting right i wish there was like i wish it was a more tearful scene or like more anger more like kind of emotions right like Jedi, uh, for some reason, Jedi have to be in control of their emotions all the time. And I feel like that's... That and I feel sucks. like... And, and maybe I'm missing something. Like, why is she even prescribing to that? She literally decided not to be a Jedi because she's like, that's all dumb. Like, they don't work <laughs> for me. So I don't understand what makes her... Yeah, I don't know if I'm missing something from one of the other shows. Which is, again, another big problem with this whole you effort. have to do homework you gotta do a lot you gotta do homework and i i told i t- i told you guys i'm not doing homework like mm-hmm. what he's gonna give me in this context in this package is what i'm gonna absorb um and i think if you're a good storyteller you can do it and you should be able to write a story where if nobody knows anything else that it still means something and for those who are like very devoted and have been following like it means even more But, you know, I think especially those first few episodes, they're relying on a lot of previous contexts and and the expectation that the viewer knows, like, who is Ezra? What do they mean to them? Like, I didn't know they were like basically surrogate found family. And that's why they're all like looking, you know, that's why they're so devoted to finding each other, even though it may bring back Thrawn. Like, I was like, yeah, but so that's all context I missed until like I I had a Wikipedia. (laughs) And who even is Sabine? And I do like Natasha Luberdiesel's portrayal of Sabine. Like, mm-hmm. um, but I still can't forget that in the animated series, she was voiced by Tia Sarkar. Yeah, and we could have we could have had Tia Sarkar back I, on screen. Yeah, I was kind of curious about that, but maybe they wanted a very specific thing when it came to the fighting skills because Natasha Luberdiesel does have a lot of skill in that area. Or uh, it's probably the simplest explanation for why. Well, sure, but. So, you know, that was a shame because I was actually looking forward to that. When they said, hey, we're going to cast for this. I was like, what do you mean? She's already cast. Um, but yeah. So, uh, but well, but I do appreciate the fact that um, Natasha does have this background. I think her movements are actually a bit better when she's allowed to move. I think when she's wearing the helmet, I'm kind of like, I know you're Mandalorian and all, but you don't seem to be devoted to your helmet anyway. So why don't you just take it off? Um <laughs> I mean, it got knocked off real quick. Yeah. You need to see your face, right? Yeah. And, you know, she's definitely eating food around other people. I don't know. It's just like, I, I, whatever. You're, you're sort of a Mandalore, I guess. Um, but 
Oh, that's that's been explained in the series, though. That's just like the 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 um, Pedro Pascal Mandalorian are like a a cult yes. of the Mandalorian. Yes, people, yes, right? uh, Normal Mandalorians <laughs> take off their helmets. Uh, speaking of helmets, though, I was <laughs> super amused that they brought back the Emmy Award winning guest character from the Clone Wars anime series. <laughs> Hu Yang, played by David Tennant, who I don't know if he knew. He won an Emmy for playing this character in one yeah, episode. Oh, good for Wars. him. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> um, in arguably one of the like most divisive arcs of yes. the Clone Wars series, which mm-hmm. is following the younglings as they go through like building the lightsaber and doing early training. Because um, he's the guy, he's the robot who used to help the younglings build their first lightsaber. He's yeah, like, I, I called him, I kept calling him Ollivander Harry Potter robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like ve- lots of wand lore, like echoes, like, oh, I remember someone who made that mm-hmm. one. And I'm just like, oh, okay. And then, but it's like, oh, it's David Tennant. I did forget that his name was Hu Yang. So mm-hmm. I was confused at first, too. It's very weird, right? Yeah. Chinese like, character? Yeah. Like, it just sounds like a Chinese name. Like, no, yep. no spin on it. Like, Usually they put a little Star Wars-esque thing on it. And I'm just like, oh, like, I feel like I know a Hu Yang. But I did, like, the moment I heard his voice, oh, that's definitely David, David Tennant. Tennant. Yes, yeah. yes. Which, that's, that's, yeah. He's kind of using his Scrooge McDuck voice, except without the accent. Well, yeah, he's not Scottish. Uh, he's <laughs> Chinese, no. Um, but yeah, so he was enjoyable. I mean, he got personality and he's a droid. Uh, who, we love a sassy droid. Yeah, and... Uh, another character, supporting character that I very much like is the uh, Lothcat. Loth? Lothcat? Um, <laughs> I thought of you when I saw the cat. I thought of you too. As soon as I saw the cat, I was like, oh, Han's going to love a, this. Look, I still want to write, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I still want to write like the cats of sci-fi or the cats of sci-fi and fantasy because there's a lot of good ones. Um, and I want to, you know, kind of dig into like why they're like the perfect space cat or space pet. Um, but yeah, this cat is very cute, um, very affectionate. I feel I needed to find out like who does the voice, if it's a person or if they just recorded cats, because it's pretty good. Um, and you are right, Marvin. I thought it was CG, but it is a practical cat. So oh, oh, oh my god! So you can it exists in the world. Yeah, kind of like so Roku. we have to. Yeah, yeah we I mean, can find it a, for you. It's gonna be a love cat toy. It's yes. it's Disney. It's already made. It's yeah. already tested and shipped to targets everywhere. Yeah. She's a cat lady. Yeah. And you yeah. know what? This one, yes, Sabine is a cat lady, which I appreciate. Um <laughs> also maybe if I have a loth cat, it's not gonna frighten my current cat because I got a cat shaped pillow at one point and the eyes are too much like a cat's and so whenever she sees the pillow she kind of just starts getting like scared and sort of tries to creep past it and so now i actually have to donate the pillow to someone else because i don't no. want to scare my, i don't want to scare my cat all the time that's so sad yeah so maybe yeah. a love cat will be better <laughs> um one more thing that i really liked um that i wish they did more with were are the villains i think the villains are really good mm-hmm. in this series like the two like not like the I would say they're evil people, Jedi, the two evil yes. white people. but they're like the they're the good. mercenary Jedi. Like that's really interesting, right? Like they're not exactly Sith, but they're like yeah. They're... I think they and, and he, you know, Balon, the, the 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 homie who was like again very familiar. He is the bad guy from RRR Marvin. Yeah, played by the late Ray Stevenson. He died. Yeah, he just passed away recently. Wait, really? That's sad. Yeah. Oh, I guess he's not gonna be in season two in May. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, rough. R.I.P. Um, he was he was great because he like, you know, he's a villain with like an ideology and he's just not evil to be evil. He's like, oh, like 
yeah, like who stuck an Andor villain in his Dave Filoni like Star yeah. Wars property? Yeah, and like he's. I'm really interested in about like what made him this way. Like, like it seems like the way that his character set up is he's a Jedi who uses his skills for money to survive, right? And I, yeah, and I actually think his like dynamic with his Padawan or a, a apprentice mm-hmm. assistant is like more interesting. Yeah, like the undertones of what's happening there like is more interesting than like yeah. the main. Mm-hmm. Jedi Master Apprentice. Like, like I want to know what kinds of shit these two people did just to like survive on the outskirts of the galaxy, right? As they're being hunted. Because like they're like they're hardened characters. Like they're like not beholden to like they're not trying to be good or like they're not trying to like uphold anything. They just, you know, they have a certain set of skills and they use that set of skills to live for ne- to the next day. Uh yeah, they were the most interesting. I did look, by the way, um, and uh I don't know if you recall the first episode does say uh, in memory of Ray. So, yeah, yeah, oh, that. Ray, yeah. that's Ray. Yeah. Ray yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, you know, and he was RP. pretty young. He was pretty young. He was not yeah. quite 59. Like he was 58. So they didn't really release a lot of information about why he died. So, um, but he was hospitalized. So anyway, so he's great in this. Uh, and I am kind of sad about that. But um, these two dark, dark side characters are giving more personality than the actual title character. And so that kind of pissed me off. Like I like them so much. Um, and I want to see more. Maybe, maybe they yeah. do, you know. I want to see Balin um do like a Skarsgard speech from Andor, right? Like, like that's something I was missing from this. Like mm-hmm. I think I've just been spoiled by Andor. Like I didn't we didn't see much acting right we saw people doing lines but we didn't really see like there's a lot of quiet moments a lot of just like staring and like internal thoughts and or like knowing smiles and like i feel like that's i don't know if that just like isn't problem with jedi storytelling like getting bogged because i think you know when you're released from jedi-ness the world opens up more, right? Like then you get like the regular people and how do the regular people yeah. deal with things? And and I think that's why we specifically relate so much or, or responded so well to Andor, right? It's like this idea and Rogue One, like this idea of like w- when you have no special powers, yeah, what do you do? Um, And, and you know, when you, then you, but then when you lay on like Jedi and like, oh, like ideology that like, does anyone really understand? And, from our like very like real life perspective, like it all just seems a little silly because you're just yeah. like obviously not working from a structural standpoint. Maybe don't keep perpetuating it. Well, and that's why like I feel like the conflict here should have been between the two master apprentice like pairs like facing off on ideology because that's where the interesting thing is. Like I think Jedi stories are most interesting when you're questioning mm-hmm. Jedi dogma. Right, that's yeah. what made Last Jedi like in my mind a strong Superior film movie. Right? yes yes <laughs> uh, like preaching to the choir here. <laughs> mm-hmm. so again they just like missed opportunity and it's just so sad right because i feel like again all the parts are there like characters as we know them from other stories are there the actors are there the money is there mm-hmm. um you know it's not cheap to paint mary elizabeth winstead in green yeah. <laughs> every every time you need a film. Um and you're just like, oh, but it's it's like baseline the the writing wasn't there. The storytelling what do we think wasn't about there. The kid. 
I don't. I'm bored character. with him. Like, like, did we need a kid? No. In this? Like, I, why is she bringing a kid to work? I when she's feel a general? like this is because it's a dude writing for women, and it's like, well, here's something that will add another element. And this is not to discount having a kid around, right? As we saw in, um, well, we see in the uh, the Mandalorian, um, or in some other things, but like, it's just they haven't quite figured out the formula because he's not that interesting. This is not um, the Last of Us. You know, they need to do something better with this kid. And right now I'm just like, just boot him. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, it's like also really funny because I'm like, like I Googled this, the kid Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, kid has a pretty interesting backstory too. Like Mm. on paper, right? Like pretty interesting parentage. He's Freddie Um, Prince Jr.'s kid. He's Freddie Prince Jr.'s kid. I was like, okay, like I feel like, or, you know, if you're going to talk about like, Legacy. <laughs> no, uh, it's so, no, no, the, his, the, the, husband, the, the kids, okay. the kids yeah, in funny. Universe Father is okay. Kanan Jarrus, who is Ezra's gotcha, Jedi gotcha, Master. Gotcha. Um, he was played by, he was voiced by Freddie Prinze Jr. Gotcha. in the original series. Gotcha. Um, that character, sadly, spoiler warning, I guess, for like a 10-year-old show, um, <laughs> dies in the last season. So that's why um, there's no father. Oh, no, Mar- <laughs> you literally just bought a 10-year-old show? You wouldn't spoil like a 120-year-old book? <laughs> I'm just saying we lost an opportunity to have Freddie Prince Jr. in a Star Wars live action. A Star, although he might show up in a he might show up in a flashback, maybe. Yeah, I mean we'll see, uh, but it's it's a lot, and you know, or like if you're gonna bring him in, like I don't know if Filoni's the right person to do this, but like you know, if you're gonna talk about legacy and like passing <laughs> things on, there is like a theme, something you could do about motherhood there, but while you are you know a general, um, but. Like I don't think Filoni's the guy to do it. He's not the guy to do it. And that is honestly like something that I don't think Star Wars has necessarily like executed well. You know, like the idea of like specifically like motherhood because Leia. They can barely do fatherhood stories. They can barely do fatherhood exactly, and they're like, "Ooh, Ben Solo," you know. (laughs) All right. Well. We're currently five episodes in, in a eight episode season, which I had to check because I was like, there's no way there's one more episode. I thought it was a six episode season. And I was like, are we getting a season I don't, two? I don't know where you go after bringing Anakin back in this context. Like, honestly, it's... Well, the next episode apparently is when we finally get to see Grand Admiral Thrawn played by... Um, Lars. Lars, son of Mikkel. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, which, love the Mickelsons. I, I for a moment now we I was have confused. Both of them in the yeah, Star Wars. I, mm-hmm. I forgot Lars's name or or Mads's name for a while. I'm like, wait, he was already in Star Wars. Like, what, yeah. do, you, what do you mean he can't play this guy? I was like, oh, this is a brother. Um, I mean, yeah, but it's it's, but like, are we gonna care? We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm curious. Lars I Mikkelsen mean, is a really good actor, so maybe like all the other bad guys, he'll be very interesting. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, he also voiced Thrawn from the cartoon, so they they yeah. they are bringing back the voice actors. Why didn't they bring back Tia Sarkar? Duh. I think it's more of an age thing. I don't mm. think Tia Sarkar can play young Ingenue Padawan next to Rosario Dawson. She's just they're too similar in age. Mm. I guess. Yeah, and oh. you know Natasha Lou Bordizo, she's. I feel like she's had a lot. She's been on a lot of short lists for a lot of big things. Um, don't know how I feel about like happy to have another like Asian woman in the canon. I can dress up as mm-hmm. 
um a little uh lol the fact that she you know she has colored hair because she's different yeah <laughs> but she also had um, a Mulan moment she did have a Mulan mm-hmm. moment and not you know she she was she was on that short list too so it could have <laughs> been so glad she's kind of getting her her day in the Disney sun wish it was a little bit better <laughs> but she's doing I mean, great with what maybe yeah now that she's not playing across Rosario Dawson and she'll be facing a Mickelson maybe She'll rise to the occasion. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this is the question, right? Is Ahsoka good pop um, five episodes in? And if not, do you think it could recover? Uh, look, it's such a, as we have discussed, there are so many things that we like individually, like little bits and pieces of it. But as a cohesive whole, no. And so, but can it recover? I would just say, if for some reason midstream they decided to change the writer, sure. But I, I think the storytelling problems and the tone problems are consistent with the creator. Um, so unless there's a really interesting plot point that like shakes everything up, I don't know. Um, of course, this is why we don't review a whole show until we've seen everything. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of, let's just say I'm skeptical. Same. Um, and again, just just bumps out because this is the most female forward, mm-hmm. female led, at least on camera Star Wars project we've had. But I think you can tell that behind the scenes, not very woman led. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like um, everything you guys said ha- is just endemic of what star wars is in our current age which is a lot of great ideas but not a lot of cohesion and you know i know the company is rallying now behind feloni's singular vision um because like i think he's helming the next trilogy too so we'll see how that goes but yeah i don't know if this show can recover i feel like this show has the, the highs are high the lows are real low and there's more lows than highs. And I feel like this show has like its legacy lives and dies on those highs. Like it needs another Anakin moment. It needs more like it has. And that's sad, right? It has to rely on like a man, the, not only a man not, to come in, a man, but it has to rely on like not even genre convention, like IP conventions to like get people excited. Like people are freaking out about like those cool like Darth Vader shots, and it's like in the context of the show, that's like one like cool shot in the show full of like not cool. I shots. honestly thought it was kind of cheesy when they <laughs> flashed. Like I'm like, yes, we get it. He's Darth Vader. Like people have done a version of that. I think yeah. in a more artistic way. Um and. and- I mean, yeah. Grand Admiral Thrawn is a really interesting character. He's a very, like, eloquent... Like, he is, like, a monologuing evil, like... Evil military, dude, yeah. Evil dude. And so, episode six comes out tonight, uh, as of this recording. I want to see Lars Mikkelsen chew that scenery. Like, if he's not doing, like, a... At very least, like, a five-minute speech about how awesome he is, what's the point of having Thrawn in this show? I hope you get that, Marvin. <laughs> and I hope I get more Anakin Skywalker... And I hope Han gets more cat, loft yeah, cat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope we all get what we want. <laughs> um, we'll see. Putting my trust in you, Filoni. <laughs> might be down. mislaid. It might be mislaid. 
Oh, when's the end of season two again? <laughs> well, they're on um, strike, so, you know, got away a while. Such is the life of a Star Wars fan in 2023. Anyways, um, I guess that'll do it for our discussion of, I was about to say Andor, of Ahsoka streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Um, Jess Han, this, this question gets mm-hmm. more and more fraught yet, yet again. Mm-hmm. If people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Um, they can go to the ninth circle of hell, which is where I'm existing until wedding day. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm still at Anonymous at most places, just not super active. Um, yeah. Instagram, maybe. Threads. <laughs> you can find me on mostly Instagram, too, at Marvin. Yeah. Um, God, are we all ejecting from Twitter soon because of like, did you read that article today where he... Um, you have to pay um, for it soon, right? Yeah, he wants to charge everybody yeah. just to be on it. Yeah, I mean, once that happens, I'm I'm still just squatting. You know, again, <laughs> yes. remember, squat it. Don't let someone else, else take it over and put porn on your handle. Um, yes. So that's really it. Like, uh, I think I retweeted something recently. <laughs> that's about mm. it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. such a shame. It was good while we lo- it lasted, y'all. Twitter, <laughs> my goodness. You can find our show at goodpop.club. Um, as always, we are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. I'm checking out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast uh, by going to podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening to our discussion of Ahsoka. Um, we'll be back next week for our last um, Do We Want This before taking um, about a three-week hiatus, I want to say. One month, uh, As maybe. we all travel to uh, to Italy. Um, I'll be putting on stuff for you guys um, while we're gone, so oh. the feed won't be empty. There just won't be any like new stuff coming from us. Maybe I'll do some... No, I'm not bringing any recording equipment to Italy. No, do not. Christina's going to kill you. Please do not. What if we recorded from like the wedding and from, we're all drunk? Live from the wedding. <laughs> hi, hi, everyone. Welcome to the special episode of... <laughs> We're uh, not that so man. Let's not do that. Jess would kill me if I brought a microphone to her wedding. I, I mean, you do you. Um, but right. no, record it, Marvin. Um, <laughs> put it on the record. <laughs> no, I refuse. <sighs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>